You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Listen to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com, post-game podcast. Louisville 72-55 over Carolina in the Yum Yum Center, or whatever they call it out there. Uh, Sherelle didn't have to worry about a buzzer breeder in that one for sure, but Carolina... Um, stayed true to their averages, shooting 40%, 27% from three uh, against the Louisville team. That's a bad matchup on a good day, for, especially for this Carolina team. Uh, you know, they were without Garrison Brooks and without Justin Pierce. So, the as you said, the themes kind of continued. Uh, injuries, poor shooting, uh, turnovers, bad defense kind of has been the MO of this team since the season started, and, and nothing has uh, particularly changed. Um, it's, I don't know, you get to the point where it's like, well, what do you say? And I think the next phase of this is because there's no point in talking about what happened in the actual game because it's, it's basically irrelevant. It's another loss in a season full of losses that will go down, you know, is maybe the, you know, one of the worst seasons in North Carolina basketball history. There's, there's no, maybe it will. Um, it'll be the worst season in Roy Williams's coaching career. Um, and you know, they're just, just a hair away from eight and 20. So, um, just didn't see that coming at the beginning of the season. I think what I'm looking for and what the coaching staff will be looking for over the next couple of weeks, you know, three weeks as they uh, close out the season is just who is still out there trying, who is in the gym still putting in work, despite the fact that there's nothing to be had the rest of the season. There's really nothing to gain um, for anyone, you know, the rest of the season. So when there's nothing to gain, you kind of see who is really, motivated who has the drive to get better who hasn't quit and I think that's something the coaching staff will will start to notice uh here over the next couple of weeks because you know people talk about it in the NFL all the time when you're on a team that's out of the playoff hunt it's like well you don't want to put bad tape out there because the next coach who takes over or the next GM is going to be looking and say did this guy quit did this guy keep playing did this guy keep trying and I think that's what's going to happen uh with this Carolina team because People have to be crazy to think that Roy Williams, <laughs> with the way he's um, won over his career, isn't going to lose his mind in the offseason and do whatever it takes, you know, absolutely whatever it takes. If it's changing his style, if it's, you know, um, trying to get another signee, if it's starting five new players next year, whatever it takes to become a better team next season, he's going to do. And so some of these guys who are coming back next year um, who might think they have an automatic spot or who might think they've done enough to, you know, improve. Like, I don't think they know how hard they're going to have to work to play next year. So for me, um, that's what I'm starting to look at more so than how the individual games are going. Yeah, I agree 100% with that. I mean, you know, we talk about Garrison Brooks. Of course, he wasn't out there today. but uh, And you guys got a guy like Leaky Black, and, you know, he's coming back for sure, play tech. Uh, Francis and those guys, but like you say, with the the class that they have coming in um, as is, those four guys are going to play, and they're going to play a lot. And if he adds another, then he's got – if he adds players that he wants to add, then he's got a starting five. He's got a whole five, and that puts a lot of pressure on these guys that will be coming back. 
And, and it's not even that, you know, it's not even the rankings of those guys is the issue. It's just that they weren't a part of this and right. they'll have a leg up. You know, they won't have, for lack of a better term, the, the stench of the season on them, whereas some of the guys coming back will. Um, so they're, they're going to have to work. I mean, you know, you know, I don't want to call any particular player out, but um, they're going to have to work and a lot harder than I think they really, really realized over the offseason. Um, that's that's my biggest takeaway, because like I said, there's no point in talking about, you know, that Carolina was 27 percent from three or that they were 39 percent, you know, from the field or that, uh, you know, war had 18 points and Williams had 17. You know, there's there's no point that that stuff is irrelevant, you know, at this point in the season. Now it's about how does this impact next year? So in, in your opinion, without calling players out, let's talk about guys coming in since they don't have the stench. Um, where do you see guys coming in, given what, what Carolina's coming back, has coming back, at least expected back? How do you see the four that are definitely coming fitting in to what's already on hand? Well, I think Garrison Brooks is the only guaranteed starter next year. Um, I think, um, yeah, I think he's the only guaranteed starter. I think he's shown improvement, uh, not over the just the course of this season, but over the course of his career. Um, and they really missed him today because, you know, Armando Baycott is still struggling. Um, I, I, I'm not sure exactly what it is. If you'd have told me, you know, after that Oregon game or even after some of the games early in January that he would look how he looks now, um, you know, maybe it's, I don't know, like the, the college wall, he's hitting the college wall because he's playing more tougher, harder games than he's ever done in his career. So maybe he's going up against that, but um, he seems to have regressed a bit uh, over the last couple of months. So that is something that is concerning. And when you have guys like Walker Kessler and Dayron Sharp coming in, you know, there's no guarantee that he's going to have his starting rollback next year. So he's going to have to really, really fight and work in the offseason and get stronger and get quicker and get faster and get in better condition and all those things, work on his touch around the basket. Um, just because, you know, the other guys, they're they're coming in and, and they're, they're going to do exactly what uh, Coach Williams wants. And if they play harder and play better, then uh, he's not going to have any issue starting them because he just there's no way he's going to let what happened this year happen again next year. And if it takes starting four freshmen and Garrison Brooks or if it takes starting five freshmen, he's going to do it. Um, so I think that's one place to look at. And then at the guard spots, you know, I think Caleb Love and, and R.J. Davis definitely have a chance to, to come in and, and play a lot. I'm not going to say necessarily both will start, but, th- you know, they're going to have a chance to play a whole, whole lot next season. Um, and, you know, I, I just, it, it, we talked about it last week on the coast to coast podcast. It, it's just going to be interesting to see. Um, and I, I don't like that phrase cause it doesn't really say anything, but I, I'm curious to watch, I guess I should say how Roy Williams kind of changes things and how he approaches the off season because it's an unknown. And to me, it's the biggest unknown because he's never had a season like this. So will he, um, you know, Will he double down on what he does? Will he completely change everything? Will it be somewhere in the middle? You know, we don't have the answers to these questions. What will the roster look like? Um, all that stuff is is what I'm looking forward to as this season kind of winds down. Let me ask you about Armando Baycott. And I'm not going to knock him because, I mean, he's clearly so much more talented than he shows. And that makes me think it's a confidence issue or whatever. But what does he ha- – you've watched a ton of basketball. And you've seen a ton of basketball on the high school level and on the college level and, of course, watching the NBA. What does he have to do to get better? Uh, I mean, obviously, everybody says got to get stronger. But aside from that, as all most college freshmen have to do, 
I mean, where does he have to really improve? Because his hands are at times he looks fantastic the way he blocked the shot late in this game, the way he does things and the way he plays against Oregon. But there's other times where it's a massive struggle. So what does he have to improve on in your mind to be a part of that either starting five or way up the rotation next year? Focus. I think I, I think that's it in a nutshell because I don't know if it's Roy Williams who said it or another coach, but basically the idea that if you show me you can do something once, then you should be able to do it every time. And the reason that you don't do it every time is that either you didn't try hard enough or, or you're not focused enough or you're not all in or, or whatever phrase you want to use. So to me, that's what it is with, with Baycott. And that's been something that's been talked about, you know, whispered a, a little bit that maybe his head isn't always there into the game like it should be. And that when it is, you know, he's he dominates, he plays really well. And when it's not, maybe he doesn't. So I think, you know, that's one thing that has to improve. And for a lot of people, you know, uh, I don't think they realize <laughs> that he has played a, a lot, especially for a freshman big man at Carolina. Uh, it's abnormal, I would say, how much he's played for a freshman big man at Carolina. And there, there's going to be growing pains. I think everyone just kind of expected him to seamlessly come in and, you know, get the system and, and play well. But, you know, there he had some deficits in his game entering college and there's stuff that he needs to work on, you know, where he'd come back for another season uh, to approve upon. So uh, to me, it's really focus. And then strength actually is a, a big thing because you can see it. He kind of, you know, when he goes into his spin move, into his hook, he, he kind of fades away a little bit. Um, that's something that I think another offseason he can power through. And instead of, you know, a, a shot that barely, barely glances the rim, that turns into maybe an one or two free throws. So um, I, I would say focus more than anything and then strength as a secondary thing. Yeah, and I think, you know, he's so talented, but you're right. And I agree 100%. If you can do it once, you should be able to do it every time. And that's what I sort of took away from this game, not wanting to talk about this one specifically, but it's really been the entire season, is you see guys, returning guys, uh, that will be returning next year, do things and look really good doing them. And then it's like it happens once a night or once a week. And and so my question to follow up on that, so we don't belabor it too much, but to get more into your weeds is how do you coach that? Does the bench, is the bench a great motivator? Like uh, Mac Brown said and other coaches have said, I mean, he'll have those options next year. I, I think the, I think the bench is, um, I think experiences as well. Um, just having been there and done it and been through it. Uh, I think people underestimate how much that helps a player. I mean, tonight, uh, you know, people have been all over Andrew Playtech, but, you know, he did what he was supposed to do tonight, what what people wanted from him the whole season. He uh, knocked down a couple threes when he was wide open. You know, that's something people have been waiting for. If, if he, you know, if he had gone, you know, three or five from the field, nine points and three rebounds most of the season, people will be fine with him. That's what they need for him. But like you said, um, it's just not there every game. And, you know, Coming into the season, we thought they would be inconsistent, and we thought that the kind of normal chart would be a little more sporadic. It, it would look more like a, like the you know on the Richter scale, after earthquake, how it goes up and down and up and down. Like when your win probability goes from zero to a hundred, you you know that's kind of how we thought the season would be. But it, it's been even more drastic than that. Just how one game, it, it's not even been game to game. It's been you know five minute segment to five minute segment, which I think not only surprised the fans, but I think it also surprised the coaching staff, to be frank, um, because they've there's been times when they played tremendous basketball and they look really good. And then there's been 11-minute stretches where, you know, 
you're like, can they beat Westover High School? You know, you just, you, it's just confusing. And um, part of that is the the funky lineups he has to play because of so many injuries. And part of it is just, there's so many new pieces. I mean, they brought in a freshman class of four people and then brought in two grad transfers. And then um, Brandon Robinson hadn't played starter minutes before the season. So that's seven new guys in new roles. And then Garrison Brooks is playing more than he ever played. So that's eight guys um, of their rotation who are playing more minutes than ever. If you count Leaky Black, who missed, you know, the majority, not the majority, but missed a lot of the second half of the season last year. That's nine guys who hadn't played much or ever together who came into the season as Carolina's core. Um, so, you know, maybe looking back, I think maybe we all re- were a, a little bit too um, optimistic um, that all that can mesh together. Because, um, I mean, the talk in the offseason was pretty strong about what this North Carolina team could do. There were obviously question marks, um, and Cole's injury didn't help either. Um, but, you know, it. I think maybe if we could go back to August or September, we would say, you know, the chemistry is going to be a huge issue, not only because of so many new people, but then you add on the injuries and all that stuff on top. And it was kind of a recipe for disaster, to be honest. Yeah, it's crazy. I saw, what, 81 starts or 81 games lost to injury, which is ridiculous. I think Cole Anthony's injury, uh, you know, it derailed the season. And we should have known it way back then uh, when we were in Carmichael and he comes out in a suit and it lasts for whatever it was, 11 games. But it's not just him. It's Brandon Robinson getting hurt against Winston-Salem State start the season in an exhibition game. I mean, it's that type of year. So last question on the podcast, Sherelle, as we get out of here in a hurry after Carolina's uh, 17-point loss to Louisville, Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, of course. Um, and get all your gear at Johnny T-Shirt. If you have an opportunity to see him on Franklin Street, go in, say hello, spend some money there and get 10% off your order if you're Carolina premium, inside Carolina premium subscriber, can't make it to Chapel Hill for whatever reason, go online, johnnytshirt.com, got all you need and more. I mean, they got more stuff than you can ever imagine this Carolina-related. Um, but if you need anything with a Carolina logo, Johnny T-shirt's your spot to get it. Sure, what happens Tuesday night? <laughs> I, I mean – I don't know. Who, who who knows? Who knows? You know, State, uh, you know, comes out and just annihilates Duke. You know, Carolina annihilated Duke for about 37 minutes and then, you know, kind of went away for a little bit and ended up losing that game. But then State loses at home to Florida State, who's a really good team. Um, you know, I, who knows? You know, I could see I, – I literally, I could see any scenario that you can think of happening. I could see Carolina blowing them out. I could see State blowing Carolina out and that kind of being the definite, you know, the final nail in the coffin of the season. I could see Carolina for once winning a close game. I could see State winning a close game and Carolina continuing to wrestle with the demons of, you know, late game execution and mistakes and all that stuff. So there, I, I can honestly say there's nothing that would happen on Tuesday that would surprise me at all. Um, but, you know, you expect Carolina to give a good effort. I think uh, the Smith Center will be loud. It won't be as loud as it could be. I think there'll be a, a good amount of red in the building, to be honest. Um, but, you know, if there's a game that games that North Carolina um, players get up for, it's it's definitely Duke and it's definitely NC State. Um, and this is a home game. Um, you, you don't want to lose to your rivals at home no matter what. Um, so I, I think they'll be up to the task. Um, the hope is that, 
Garrison Brooks and, and Justin Pierce will be able to play and maybe they can put together, you know, 40 good minutes of basketball for the first time in a long time. So it's just interesting how all this happened. Um, it, it's it really need we really need to have a deep dive autopsy at the end of the season to kind of just look at and dissect every single thing that happened, because I think if, you know, say say 50 things happen that cause this season. I think if it's only 30, you know, they're a tournament team. Or if it's only 20, then maybe they're ranked right now. Um, but it took all 50, every single thing happening in the order it did for UNC to get where it is now. Um, you know, one of the worst seasons in school history and the worst season in Roy Williams, you know, three-decade coaching career. So um, not not much else to say besides that is that, you know, we, we know how he feels about NC State. We know how Carolina fans feel about NC State. So, I think their hope is that they come out and just have one of those games where everybody feels good, where they can kind of feel like a Carolina team again. Yep, 1991-92 season, January of 92, Carolina lost to NC State. State lost nine straight before beating Carolina February 22nd of 1992. Looks like Carolina will have the opportunity to flip that on Carolina here, what, 30 years later, 29 years later. That was the Tom Gugliotta teams, right? Yeah, those were the yeah. those were those teams. They lost. State beats Carolina, scores ninety nine points in the middle of that nine game stretch. Loses to Marquette, scoring only forty two. Beats mm-hmm. Carolina again, scoring ninety nine points. It's mm-hmm. been a crazy season. I agree with you though. I mean, it, it, the season wide, fifty things go wrong. If only half of them, then it's all different. It's just like the end of the Duke game. If if one thing changes out of that whole thing, then Carolina wins that game, and who's who knows where they are at the moment. Still not very good, but I doubt they're on a seven-game slide. And, and you know, I, I would say, I mean, that 36 minutes of the Duke game notwithstanding, when, when you say uh, State is their best overall performance maybe since Oregon, uh, is that fair? Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, winning at NC State, a, a, a place that hates them, you know, to no end, um, you know, that was still without Cole Anthony, too. People forget that. And they just came in and looked like the more confident, assertive, dominant team. Um, so maybe there's, you know, some something mental there going on. You know, I, I think back to John Henson and, and C.J. Leslie back in those days where, he, you know, C.J. Leslie just couldn't do anything with John Henson. He was clearly in his head. And maybe that's the way it is with North Carolina and NC State right now. So um, I think that's Carolina's hope. And to end on a positive, I will say, too, that, even and and this isn't moral victory, you know, hour or anything, but you still have to give I think the team a tremendous amount of credit because to me, and maybe I'm missing the signs, it doesn't seem like they've given up. And I've you know we've said it on several post game podcasts and several coast to coast podcasts. They have every reason or every opportunity, I should say, to be like, nah, I'm good. Um, and they haven't done that. So at least I think they deserve that little bit of credit for continuing to fight and continuing to play hard, um, even though this isn't a moral victory business. Yeah, you're right. It's a wins and loss business. But 8-20, and 20, when people try to say, oh, they're worse than 8-20, and 8-20 20, and 20 lost about 40 at Maryland. Don't get me started. Very similar. I, I was a UNC student then. Don't, do not get me started. We, we need to have 8-20 and 20 podcasts is what we need to do. That explains it. No, because <laughs> until this year, 8-20 and 20 was never spoken of. I, I don't want anyone to say anything. Like, the current students, they, they can they can miss me with how bad it is. Because, you know, if we want to go there, I entered Carolina in 2000. You know how many Carolina – you know how many NCAA wins Carolina had while I was there? <laughs> Let yes. me think. So you, you came in after the Final Four run of 2000. Mm-hmm. Correct. 
2001, they lost in – is that Weber State? They lost to Crispin, Penn State. Yeah, Penn State, Weber State. They're about the same team. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't – none, That's it. none. That's none. it, Tommy. That is it. They won one NCAA game in four years. I've looked it up. That is the worst four-year run in Carolina history. So and you were there for it. And we were there. And, and that's maybe that's why I have a somewhat sunny disposition when it comes to this stuff. Because, you know, Carolina basketball, you know, I'm not – I don't mean to moralize here, but three bad seasons in 50 years, you know, uh, every program in the country would take that. So this year is terrible. It's, it's not fun for the fans, the coaches, the coaches' wives, anyone associated with Carolina basketball directly – um, or even, you know, uh, kind of on the side, you know, where, you know, people who work in the Smith Center and operations is bad for everyone. But, you know, we have a, a long documented history that shows that they will be OK and they will recover. And I think Roy Williams, um, you know, we, we've talked to people you know, around Carolina basketball and they always say how much he loves Carolina and how much he despises losing and how much it eats him up anytime the Carolina program isn't seen in a great light. And that's the kind of person who is going to fight like crazy and do whatever it takes to get Carolina back. So I think fans should be comforted by that. Um, I think this will be a blip, you know, next year might not be, you know, a final four or elite eight or anything, but it, it won't be this. Sherelle with the hope and the light that to do it for this edition of the inside Carolina podcast. I agree with you too, by the way, uh, there's reason for belief and hope. It's tough to see it through losses like, uh, this one today, Sherelle, always a pleasure, my man. Yep, appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ, Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-average do of 29 and 11. It. God, shit. what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four the podcast so you don't miss a thing.